What is going on, everybody? Welcome back to another edition of the Big Blue in the Bronx podcast. Be sure to that like button, comment, and subscribe. Turn on post notifications so you know when live stream pops or video drops. Appreciate y'all coming back. Um, so first of all, I'm gonna say this at the end, but I'll say it at the beginning anyway. Hope everyone is, you know, gonna dive into some turkey on a uh, Thursday. And there are people that don't like turkey, so if you got ham or chicken or whatever the fuck you eat. I uh, hope you enjoy it with your family, your friends, and, you know, whoever else you celebrate with. But let's talk some football. Obviously, we got all the uh, all of the uh, stuff ready for a preview pod, which is very uncharacteristic, unorthodox for a Wednesday. But at the same time, um, with that being said, it's Thanksgiving and it's also a Thursday game. So it's not like it's going to be put out on a Thursday when everybody's, you know, with their families and stuff. I'll put this out at 1230 on a Wednesday, the day before. And hopefully everybody's off on Wednesday. At least I. Um, but with that being said, let's get into first thoughts. Obviously, we do have an interview once again. Uh, it is with Tom Ryle of Blogging the Boys, which is the SB Nation site for the Dallas Cowboys. Um but short week for the Giants, short week for the Cowboys, but obviously this podcast is more focused on the Giants because it's on a Giants channel and all that other stuff. Ton of injuries. Ton of injuries. And these next few games are going to be an evaluation of how well this coaching staff can adjust with these injuries. Now, obviously, it's not going to be all, you know, all their fault if we lose some of these games. It's not going to be all their fault. Sometimes you can realistically blame injuries, but at the same time, you have to learn to adjust. And if you're not doing well with the pieces and it's just noticeable that you're not putting them in the best position to succeed, then it's your fault. But um, if you ask me, what am I more worried about this game? The offense or the defense? I'm going to tell you right now I'm more worried about the defense and that's not something I, I really have said all season. You know, I've been talking about the offenses and consistencies and all this other stuff. Um, we all know the main reason why is Dory Jackson. And I ripped uh, Brian Dable on Monday, ripped him on Tuesday. I'm going to rip him again because Dory Jackson should have never been the punt returner. But he is out for a few weeks. Now, they say he's been feeling better, but you're not going to sit here and force him to play when he's quote-unquote feeling better he has to feel at least close to 100 percent, and he's not there right now so we don't even know who's going to be the starting corners which is quite sad uh your slot corner is darnay holmes it does not help that xavier mckinney is not healthy uh he's on ir with the uh the hand injury i think yep then you got your safeties dane belton jason pinnock and um, what's the other one? Oh, I'm forgetting Julian Love. Julian Love is awesome, by the way. Julian Love is awesome, by the way. Love his comment on uh, Zach Wilson's bullshit. But uh, just that was a side note. I would activate Terrell Burgess if I'm smart and if I'm the Giants. Because why not get a fourth safety in there? Terrell Burgess was solid. He could play the nickel. He could play a couple of different positions for the Rams. Why not? show him up against the Cowboys. I mean, we'll see what happens. We don't know what elevations they're going to make. Uh, they made the Lawrence Cager elevation, but he's out of elevations. They moved him onto the active roster. They signed Nick Vanette. 
Um, so it's going to be interesting. It's going to be very interesting. Maybe they activate an offensive lineman, which is really rare, rare excuse me. Um, there's already been a report out there that says Landon Collins is not going to play this week. So who are you going to elevate? Once again, becomes the question. It just becomes the question automatically. Um, because you do need some back-end support, and you really don't have that, to be honest with you, on the practice squad other than young cats. Uh, Landon Collins is obviously a linebacker now. Uh, you take a look at Zion, not Zion, yeah, Zion Gilbert. I was thinking of Zion McCollum, who I believe is with the Cowboys. Um, Zion Gilbert, he, uh, you know, he's young. You're not putting him out there against the Cowboys. He will get stuffed with a turkey. Um, you're not putting Trenton Thompson out there. They have not called his name name or number at all during the season, so that's just not something you're doing. Maybe Ryder Anderson for extra beef. Um, that's something I wouldn't be opposed to. Uh, some other guys you could elevate. You could elevate Pimpleton. I mean, just get somebody as a real punt returner rather than Richie James trying to throw a game away from you. Um Maybe Andre Miller. I don't know. But there's a lot of ones you could elevate. You could elevate Robert Foster, who's a minimal threat. There's a lot of ways you go. Also, Vernon Butler, who you could activate as well. Um, he might be just as valuable as Justin Ellis, but who knows. Uh, so the real, I would say, image of the game for the Giants is just adjusting defensively with that with the injury bug. Adjusting defensively. Offensively, as we'll get into... Uh, it's going to be run first. It's going to be the way the New York Giants have uh, played this season and really have emphasized the run game this season. Um, you know, they've every game has been run first except for the first game, and then they figured out, okay, we could run it with Saquon Barkley. Um, and then, you know, every change, everything changed from there. Um, but we'll see. Because Dallas looks like a pretty bad run defense, right? But guess what? You stack that box with Leighton Vander Esch, Jabril Cox, Damone Clark, and some of these other cats. Suddenly, it changes. And the Giants are dealing with some injuries in the offensive line. I would put in Nick Gates. Either way, Feliciano's injured. Feliciano's not injured. No. Gates needs to be the starting center for the rest of the season. You need to make a statement out there. Um... Not necessarily in terms of accountability. You could attribute that, but Gates is younger. Gates is more agile. He's more aware, too. Um, I don't know if everybody saw that one clip. Uh, we were going over it on the Boys and Big Apple podcast where Anzalone was blitzing, but Feliciano decided to go try to block Cager's guy, and Cager already had him blocked, but Anzalone blitzes right up the middle, and Daniel Jones has to throw it away. So that just shows you the amount of awareness uh, and just a poor play coming from John Feliciano. It's really been that way all season. Um, you know, Glowinski could be exchanged for Ben Brennison at some point, but I'm not really focused on that right now. I'm focusing on this week. So I think the starting line is going to be um, Thomas, Zudu, Gates, Glowinski, and Tyree Phillips. I don't see why Tyree Phillips wouldn't go, but if he doesn't go, it's Matt Parrott. Um which is going to be interesting. It's going to be interesting. I mean, he got his uh, got a large amount of reps against uh, the Cowboys last year when he was playing right tackle, subbing in for Solder, who subbed in for Thomas. It was a whole different thing. But um, 
what I also want to see on offense real quickly before we go into the injury report and all these different things is what can they do in the passing game? Uh, Darius Slayton, we know who he is. We know he's probably going to be the number one target. Are you going to try to involve Cager? Are you going to try to involve Tanner Hudson? Are you going to involve Isaiah Hodgins? How much is Kenny Galladay going to be a factor? See who you could play against. Or I should say, you know, see who they can play against, but see who they don't game plan against, too. Um, so let's go to the injury report real quick. Uh, Daniel Bellinger is out. Uh, I think they also ruled out Adoree Jackson. Fabian Moreau is a game-time decision. I have the tweet to be exact. So Fabian Moreau is a game-time decision. I'm just trying to take a look here. Fabian Moreau, Evan Neal, and John Feliciano, game-time decisions. So I would not play Neal this week. Um, also, Azizo Jolari is not getting activated for Thursday, which honestly is a smart decision because you don't want to go out there and uh, have a risk in that case. Uh, you know, save him for Washington. Save Bellinger for Washington. Save Ojolari for Washington. That's going to be a, a big game, uh, more big than anyone really sees it as. Hopefully, it doesn't get flexed because if it gets flexed, well, actually, no, it would have gotten flexed already, but, um, you know. Anyway. Um, as for the Cowboys, and there's also a bit of an, uh, uh, a bug going around the locker room illness-wise. Thomas has an illness. Graham Gano had an illness. It's weird. Um, I'm trying to think anyone else had an illness. I don't think so. But anyway, um, Demarcus Lawrence missed his second straight practice with a foot injury. I haven't seen anyone, like, officially ruled out yet. Obviously, they're two, three hours behind us in time. Uh, at least at the time of this recording. I don't know if they get the extra practice day Wednesday. But anyway, uh, I think we'll play illness and foot injury. Uh, Anthony Barr missing his second straight practice after missing the game on Sunday with hamstring injury. I'm going to guess he doesn't go. Uh, Terrell Basham didn't practice due to an illness. Same thing with Dante Fowler. Uh, maybe Fowler plays Hankins. Injury. Uh, nope. That's an illness. And then Kelvin Joseph, illness. So definitely something is going around that locker room. Um, I don't know if it will sideline too many guys. I, I know, at least in my opinion, I think DeMarcus Lawrence will go. Um, I don't think he's going to sit out this game against against a rival where he could just try to dominate Tyree Phillips. Um, you know, they'll have to game plan better for him this game. You know, uh, help him out with the chipping of Chris Myrick. They need to use Chris Myrick more. I don't care if he's, you know... Not as flashy as Tanner Hudson or Lawrence Cager in the receiving game. Use him. Because, you know what? At least you have that block and release ability that holds a little longer than a guy like Lawrence Cager or Tanner Hudson. So, let's break into the 2022 stats and analytics. The Giants are 19th in total yards per game, total offense. 28th in passing offense, 4th in rushing offense, and 21st in points per game. You look at the defensive side of the ball, 17th in total yards per game, 15th in point, uh, excuse me, 15th against the pass, 25th against the run, 13th against, uh, 13th in terms of points per game. I'm off today. 29th in pass percentage, 4th in run percentage, 29th in pass percentage on first down, 4th in run percentage on first down. Take a look at the defensive analytics. They're first in blitz percentage, which is probably going to stay that way the rest of the season, depending on how they take these few games. Uh, tenth in pressure percentage and 23rd in sacks. 
You go to the Cowboys side of things, and well, offensively, they're ninth in total yards per game, 22nd in passing offense, 8th in rushing offense, 7th in points per game. Defensively, they're first in the total yards per game, points per game, and passing defense categories. They're 26th against the run, though. They're 26th in pass percentage, 7th in run percentage, 22nd in pass percentage on first down. 8th in run percentage on first down, 12th in blitz percentage, 1st in pressure percentage, and 1st in sacks. So what are some things to look for with this game entirely? We'll go into that in just a second. I would say more of a passing emphasis from Dallas. Um, they have a ton of weapons, obviously. Uh, Dalton Schultz, Noah Brown, CeeDee Lamb, Michael Gallup. They got some solid rookie tight ends as well um, that are not usually factored in the mix, but, you know, can always stick out there as well. I thought Hendershot had a nice game against the Giants. Um, The first time it was Monday Night Football. But why am I saying passing emphasis from Dallas compared to a run emphasis? Um, It kind of matches up with the things to look for. Number two, soft zone zone blitzes um the giants are going to have a very diminished depleted secondary we don't know who the starting corners are hopefully best case scenario it's nick mcleod and radarius williams radarius williams wasn't very good um against the lions quite flot wasn't very good either but you're gonna have to find the best of the worst in that scenario you have Holmes in the slot McLeod he is at least capable um but it's not like you know you could go a full game with him as your number one corner in a you know best situation this is the worst situation you probably planned for um but more of a passing emphasis from Dallas that's what I think manipulate that secondary you know if you get pressure Dak's just going to roll out the pocket and, and throw it. I That's my worry. He's done that in the past against the Giants, like 2018, I remember, um, in that game that was in December. And, you know, we were just trying to win the last game of the season just for, you know, shits and giggles sake. And every time Dak rolled out, he, he threw it to Blake Jarwin. It ended up being a touchdown. And we were sending blitzes. We were helping out and doing all this other shit. I mean, they were playing some of the non-starters on the O-line, so that's why Olivier Vernon got like three sacks that game. But um, I just think it's going to be more of a passing emphasis. Now, if they do find some stitch with the run, they'll definitely run the football, but I think the Giants' hot take, hot take, I think the Giants will be better against the run than they will against the pass this game. I think because Crowder and... Jalen Smith. Now, you you look at it kind of in a body format. I think Jalen Smith and Tay Crowder are better fits to go against Zeke Elliott, but the speed of Micah McFadden can go up against the speed of Tony Pollard. So you have to mix and match. There's no Austin Calitro because he's probably going to be inactive, which he should be. Um, he's a healthy scratch every game. You know, he's not a very good linebacker. We know that. He was just a preseason. Uh, star but I just expect more of a passing emphasis from Dallas and uh, attempted ground and bound from New York I mean I don't think that the O-line issues and Wandale Robinson changes much of anything 
Um, we still looked at this wide receiver core as very poor. We still looked at this O-line as, you know, a work in progress for a lack of better words and, you know, less of a negative word on it. But I still think they're going to go with the ground and pound. They recognize, you know, okay, well, they're not very good against the run. I, I think, listen, I know I have my points about the Giants being a run-first offense. I'm not a fan of it personally. Um, I know we have limited pieces and personnel, but at some point you got to move with balance and, you know, I'm more okay with balance rather than just running the football down their throat because I think it takes time possession, all these different things. Um, but you have to do it in a way of two things where you cannot, cannot give away that you're running the football. So, you know, putting Nick Gates in there and, uh, putting Chris Myrick in there. I mean, it's fine. But it works if you get a lot of yards out of it. That's how I see it. Now, how also you can flip that argument upside down, do a 180, is if you put Lawrence Cager and Tanner Hudson in there. They're not blocking well. They are not blockers. They are receiving specialists. So you have to find a happy medium. And I feel like you have to find a happy medium at some point just overall during this game with the offense, just overall passing, throwing the football, doing whatever the fuck you please. Um, with that being said, we move on to the players to watch. Dak Prescott, uh, he's got a good completion percentage since coming back. Obviously, more of the offense has been catered towards the run. 67.8 completion percentage, 1,132 yards, about 226.4 yards per game. That's not great. Um, obviously, that's better than what our quarterback is doing. Uh, just saying the facts out there, it's on paper. So uh, 7.4 yards per throw, eight touchdowns, four interceptions, only seven sacks taken in five games, which really says something about the offensive line. You take a look at their rushing attack with Tony Pollard and Zeke Elliott. Tony Pollard, 701 yards on 118 carries, 5.9 yards per carry, six touchdowns. I think he's had six runs of 20 or more yards. Uh, maybe more than that, who knows, but he's just got breakaway speed. Uh, Ezekiel Elliott, 485 yards on 124 attempts, uh, six touchdowns, one run over 20, longest was 27, so that's probably where that comes from, 3.9 yards per carry. So he is more of the smash mouth running back at this point for the Cowboys, um, just running it right up the middle, you know, in the red zone. You're probably not running it in with Pollard. You're probably running it with Zeke Elliott. And uh, he had a touchdown on the Giants in the Week 3 matchup. I think Pollard may have as well, but uh, to be honest, I don't quite remember. Now, you take a look at the receiving core. Overall, not just receivers, but tight ends as well. CeeDee Lamb leads that. Five touchdowns, a total of 751 yards on the year, 12.9 yards per reception. Noah Brown is number two, but Dalton Schultz is catching up quickly. 384 yards, one touchdown, 13.7 yards per reception. Dalton Schultz, 9.6 yards per reception, 275, uh, 279 yards, one touchdown. Tony Pollard is a great receiving back, 243 yards, two touchdowns. He caught like a 120 yards or something, like 100 some odd yards against the Vikings. Um, 11.6 yards per reception. And then Michael Gallup, who's been factoring in, he's been, you know, coming back a little bit. 211 yards, uh, 11.1 yards per reception to go along with one touchdown. 
So you take a look at the defensive side of the ball, which honestly scares me more um, in a way, in a way. And I know I opened the show with, well, the defense for the Giants is more worrisome than the offense of the Giants. But these guys get it done. This is probably the top unit in the league outside of maybe the New York Jets. Uh, Demarcus Lawrence, he's had a good season. Three of the sacks were accumulated against Evan Neal the last time. Uh, I know he's on the injury report with an illness and an injury, but I just don't see him sitting out a Thanksgiving game against the Giants where he had a chance to beat the crap out of us again. I'm just going to be fair. Uh, Six sacks, 44 tackles, 13 pressures, eight tackles for a loss, two forced fumbles, and eight quarterback hits. You move to the star linebacker, who is also on the injury report, but I think he'll play as well. And, you know, I kind of jinxed something. It's not an official jinx because it hasn't happened yet. Uh, Game hasn't happened yet either, but Micah Parsons really has never broken out against the Giants. Uh, I think he had one sack the last time, but um, we'll see what happens this game. Very well could, you know... Make us shit our pants. 10 sacks on the season, 47 tackles, total of 26 pressures, 11 tackles for loss, 3 forced fumbles, and 19 quarterback hits. Dorrance Armstrong, I think he was like a fifth-round pick a few years ago. He actually got a forced fumble on Daniel Jones on that Monday night game um, in 2019. It was like garbage time. But anyway, 7 sacks, 21 tackles, 13 pressures, 6 tackles for loss, a forced fumble, and 10 quarterback hits. Move to another guy who Dan Quinn had in Atlanta for a little bit, I believe. Um, 2020, at least. Not 2021, because 2020 was the year he got booted. But five sacks, 15 pressures, 20 tackles, seven tackles for loss, seven quarterback hits, and one forced fumble. Now you move to the corner room. Um, Anthony Brown doesn't scare me too much, but you know he does have a nose for the ball on occasion. Uh, he's got very mid-statistics. Trayvon Diggs. He's had a solid year. His completion percentage is up compared to years prior, 62.3, 438 yards allowed, two touchdowns, 77.4 pass rating, but you also got to add in the three interceptions, uh, one of them coming when David Sills decided to slip on a route. I do wonder who's going to play the slot, though, for the Dallas Cowboys because um, obviously Jordan Lewis is on IR. Might be Deron Bland. Um, I guess, and also Kelvin Joseph was on the injury report, so you might want to attack that slot, but I guess it's going to be Richie James in the slot, so it's going to be Ech receiver against Ech corner, um, unless they place Brown or Diggs in the slot, so we'll see what happens there. Uh, moving on to questions to answer, then keys to win and a prediction, and then we'll go to the interview. Will Daniel Jones be properly protected? That is interesting, but... This is going to be Josh Azudu's first game against their interior. And their interior is very solid. Um, Osa Digizua, he's pretty good. He's got two sacks on the season. He's got five tackles for loss. Um, You know, there's some other guys in that defensive interior that can really do damage. They could also try to pull stunts and see whether Azudu has learned to pick up stunts or not. So there's that. Um... Nick Gates, I don't see any problem with other than cohesion possibly being uh, from the interior. Mark Lewinsky, I think there's going to be worry there, but mostly comes to the right side of the offensive line, if I'm being completely transparent. Uh, Tyree Phillips or Matt Parrott. I mean, Matt Parrott was meh in pass protection. Uh, A little worried about him. If he plays, Tyree Phillips, he's been solid. Doesn't mean he's been great, but he's been solid. You know, nothing outstanding. So... 
Um, you know, if Demarcus Lawrence does play, he's going to have uh, some foam at the mouth because this isn't necessarily a fully healthy or, you know, fully worked through slash developed offensive line. Uh, despite my critiques of the offensive philosophy, will the Giants ground and pound style work? It very well could, and it very well might not. Uh, we've seen in games this season where the script has totally flipped. Seahawks and Lions, some of the worst rushing defenses in the NFL, right? But they adjusted and they shut Saquon down. The Packers, um, let's see, the Jaguars. There were some other teams as well that were very, quote-unquote, good against the run. And then, you know, when we faced them, they were just giving up some solid runs from Saquon Barkley. So, you know, just do it wisely. Just do it wisely have some balance, do it wisely, factor in your blocking tight ends. That being Chris Myrick and any other offensive lineman you may use. And obviously that counters with the next question. How do the Giants use tight ends when it comes to the run? Uh, I'm not necessarily a fan too much of doing these 11 personnel sets when you have three wide receivers on the field. I mean, you're relying on receivers blocking A, B, and I understand, you know, you're throwing that at a defense so they could cover guys and, you know, put different personnel in. But at the same time, when they diagnose it being a run play, those DBs are going to get past our wide receivers. I don't really know any good blocker other than Kenny Galladay, so there's that. Uh, who's the main target besides Darius Slayton? I find that to be Richie James this game. It could definitely be Lawrence Cager or Tanner Hudson, but I think it's going to be Richie James. I think he's going to be factored in, like, the first few weeks of the season. Will the Giants be prepared for a switch of offensive emphasis by Dallas? Of course, that means the pass. Um, and this really goes with the other question as well that I have next. Will the Giants play soft zone defense due to cornerback injuries? It could very well go like last year when the Ravens had several injuries and Wink could stick a little bit to his scheme. Or does he factor in and talk about the injuries, factor that in, and sticks to more of a zone approach. It could definitely happen. Um, I wouldn't be surprised. I wouldn't be mad at it. I would just be mad at the fact that, well, we don't have any corners. Um, so it's going to be interesting. It's going to be interesting. But if you see soft zone, I wouldn't get mad at it. Because overall, he is playing with lesser talent than Graham did. And Graham was more conservative. Um, that was just a whole different approach. Can Jalen Smith step up against his former club? Uh, we're going to need linebackers in the running game. There's no, you know, all these three safety sets and all this other stuff. That's not stopping Tony Pollard. That's not stopping Ezekiel Elliott. Um, I think it's going to be really up to our linebackers this game. Obviously, Jalen Smith, you know, if his somewhat speed can match up along with Tate Crowder's with Pollard, that'd be great. But I really see Micah McFadden's youth and his speed matching up with Pollard. Um, and then Zeke Elliott, I think. Tay Crowder and Jalen Smith can take them on, but at the same time, you have to defeat your blocks, and that's not something the Giants linebackers have really done well this year. Um, and then last one, can the Giants get to the quarterback? That's not something they've done really well over the last few games that they faced Dallas. Um, they got to the quarterback maybe like twice last year. Uh, the second time they played, the first time they played, I don't remember, the first time they played this year, they didn't get to the quarterback at all, which, you know, is Cooper Rush. I don't know how you don't get to him. So, 
you got to get to the quarterback. And I know, obviously, at some point we have to have a conversation about Kayvon Thibodeau and the way he's playing. He's got to show out in one of these games. He really does. And that arrow needs to keep pointing up, not flattening. We're not talking about flattening the curve here. We're talking about up, okay? So he needs to he needs to do some solid things, whether it's setting the edge, doing something as a first-round pick, because at the same time, I know people will say, well, you know, the, the first few games due to injury, and I get that, and I know he's basically been a work in progress, and it's basically what we bought into with the ceiling and all. But at the same time, Jermaine Johnson, right? He was picked lower, and he has more production. But let's go to keys to win, if there's a chance at all. Um, I'm going to say protect Daniel Jones. Now, I obviously have brought on some defensive emphasis with zone and a lot of these different things. But I think protecting Daniel Jones, giving him time, is going to really help balance out the offense and not making them go one-dimensional. Uh, number two is stop the pass. Limit the pass, really, it should be. Um, because I just see the Giants playing zone. And once again, that is if they intend on throwing the football more than passing the football or throwing the football more than they have in you know, the last few games. But I, once again, I'm just expecting the pass because Kellen Moore is going to see our depth chart and say, hey, listen, Detroit attacked this guy last week. Let's go after him again. So Giants better be prepared for that, but you can hide flaws by playing zone. And number three, run it with Barkley and run wisely with Barkley. Um, obviously, you're not going to have a successful game every game with Saquon, whether it's rushing or doing this or that and the other thing. I would like to see him in the receiving game um, because I feel like he is a mismatch to different linebackers and different safeties. So Mike Kafka, please incorporate that if you want to score points. Um, but when you run with him, you gotta be, you gotta be wise. You have to find a happy medium. You can't give away that you're running it, A. So I would maybe just for shits and giggles sake to try to throw off a defense, put Gates in as the extra tight end, but do a max protect play action. So, and you do that a couple of times, they say, okay, well maybe they're not actually running it because Gates has been in a few times on passing downs as a pass protector. That's, once again, also if Feliciano is starting. So if Gates is starting at center, you have Jack Anderson as the extra tackle, you have Matt Parrott, or you have someone else. Um, it all depends. But you have to be smart with running with Barkley. You don't want to give it away, but at the same time, you want to block efficiently uh, on the interior and the exterior because they will stack the box. Uh, I'm not taking, oh, the Dallas is 26th in rushing defense, please. It's a week-to-week basis in the NFL, and teams adjust, and Dallas is a pretty good fucking team. Um, but my prediction, it's pretty low, um, but I'm going to end off on a solid note, I say, talking about Thanksgiving and my favorite sides. But first, we have to get to the negative. I have the Cowboys winning 27-10. to um, I think at the end of the day, we will consider it a blessing. They only put 27 on us with the injuries we've had in the secondary. But I don't think this Giants offense will be able to score many points. We weren't able to score points in the first time. But, hey, listen, we'll uh, we'll see what happens. I'm going to ask you all in the premier chat. Now, I probably asked this on Boys and Big Apple as well. What is your favorite Thanksgiving side? Now, also put in 
if you don't eat turkey on Thanksgiving. Because that's one of my things. I, I eat turkey. Um, personally, to put in there, mashed potatoes is my favorite. Um, I'm not a stuffing guy. Never have been. If mac and cheese is a part of it, I will take part. Not a sweet potatoes guy. Not a sweet potatoes guy. But mashed potatoes, whether it's you know with butter or with gravy, I'll take it. I'm not a pie guy, so you know there's that. But uh, just wanted to end it off on a nice note before we get to the interview with Tom Ryle blogging the boys, which is the SB Nation site covering the Dallas Cowboys. So we are now with Tom Ryle of Blogging the Boys, uh, the SB Nation site covering the Dallas Cowboys, uh, the opponent on Thanksgiving. Uh, Tom, how are you feeling coming into this game? A lot better after the uh, Vikings game. Uh, That was maybe the most impressive all-around performance I've seen from this team in the, like, 12 years I've been doing this at Blogging the Boys. Um. Now the question is, Is it was that just a one-time bit of excellence, or are they going to be able to replicate that going into this weekend? Definitely a very impressive win, of course, over uh, the Vikings. Moving into it, uh, just a general question to start off. How has Dak Prescott played since coming back from the injury? Obviously, the first time the Giants in the Cowboys played on primetime. That was Cooper Rush, a quarterback. But how has Dak Prescott been playing lately? Well, uh, he's basically played eight halves since coming back. Um, The first half he played uh, back against the Detroit Lions, it took him a while to get started. Then when the Cowboys came out of their bye, uh, that half did not go so well. Uh, The rest of the time, uh, he's played very well, except uh, things got a little bit off track in the second half against the Green Bay Packers that led to the uh, the loss in that game. But overall, he's looking particularly sharp. And again, it was a real high point uh, last Sunday when they uh, they went up against Minnesota. And if, if he's playing like that, he's going to be a hard guy to stop. I definitely think so, especially with the injuries on the uh, Giants' defensive side of the ball. Uh, Moving towards the running game a little bit, obviously, at least from what I saw on TV, uh, that's how you guys beat the Minnesota Vikings. Has Pollard officially blown past Ezekiel Elliott as the number one back, or is it more of a two-back set? I think the intent of the team is to use it as a two-back set with roles assigned. It's a little hard to be sure because Ezekiel Elliott may have been on a bit of a pitch count since he was coming off of uh, missing two games due to injury. Uh, And so you're not really sure if what you saw is the actual plan going forward. But, you know, as as a Cowboys guy, I wish they would stick with it because they used Pollard. He was getting big chunk plays frequently. He's always been the real breakaway threat. And then they would bring Elliott in when they needed some real smash-mouth football. He scored both of the touchdowns from the one-yard line. I believe they were both on the one-yard line. And converted one other third and one just simply by going out and getting the yard and a half or two yards they needed. Um, And he, he presents a little bit different challenge. There was an interesting comment from uh, 
coach uh, Skip Pete, the running backs coach, that when Elliott's in, he's got a certain timing uh, and the teams start to get used to him. And then when Pollard comes in, he's just quicker, he's faster, and it throws the timing off, which I thought was a fascinating thing to look at. So I think they're going to continue going forward with the two-back uh, rotation. It was interesting that they both had exactly 15 carries in the, the Vikings game, but Pollard was on the field for 39 offensive plays against only 21 for Elliott. Uh, which I think is really got some potential for the running game because Pollard was the receiving star of that game with 109 yards and two touchdowns. Definitely. And talking a little bit more about the running game, but also incorporating the passing subject. Um, how do you feel overall? Probably happy, but anyway, how do you feel overall despite that, you know, you have uh, Michael Gallup, uh, CeeDee Lamb, Dalton Schultz, how do you feel that Dallas has emphasized more of the run rather than the pass? That seemed to be a, a big part of the plan coming in. Uh, now, you, you always have to be cautious who you listen to and how they're talking because when Jerry Jones talks, you sometimes get a little different take on what things are going on and what the coaches, I think, are doing. But they always talked about funneling the offense through the run going into the season, which didn't exactly excite me. But now I kind of see that maybe they've got an idea of what to do, where the run is creating some focus and it maybe helps the passing game. Um, I just know that as long as they've got both sides clicking, that, you know, it's great. Uh, but they have seen games where teams were able to kind of slow down the running attack. And now that they've got Dak back, you feel a little better about that. But it can falter a little bit, as they, we saw in the uh, last quarter against Green Bay when the Cowboys couldn't do anything and putting more points up that could have gotten them to a win. So I think they're going to still want to make teams think they're running um, with, you know, throwing in some first down play action plays sometimes just to, to try to steal a little bit something on the defense. Right now, though, you know, as I said, it worked. Um, it has kind of been working for, for uh, the games where they've had both of the backs. So we'll just have to see if they wise up. They've steadily been increasing Pollard's workload all along. So that, from our viewpoint, is a hopeful sign that they're looking at them as more of, you know, who do you prepare for? Well, you have to prepare for both of them in kind of equal doses. Yeah, definitely. And going into more of the passing game, at least to open up the season, he was targeted a lot more. He was actually the reading, leading receiver at some point. Uh, Noah Brown has, has kind of calmed down a little bit. Has that Does that coincide with Michael Gallup returning? And has Gallup been 100% since coming back? I think we're just now seeing Gallup getting to 100%. He started to show up, uh, had a, a one really good catch uh, against the Vikings. Um, it, Prescott was spreading the ball around better than he has all season. Uh, you know, you had several guys with two, three, four catches. Uh, 
and they weren't trying to force feed it all into CD Lamb, which is something they they need to avoid because you don't obviously want the defense to know here's the guy you stop and you stop the passing game. So they completed passes to 10 different receivers. That's a very positive sign. Uh, you know, Noah Brown had one really good long catch uh, that set up a touchdown. Uh, I, I think Dak actually completed to eight because they, they rolled Cooper Rush out in the fourth quarter, and he threw to, uh, like, Jalen Tolbert, the rookie, who has not done much at all this year. And uh, But it was good to see him spreading it around because, again, the more you complicate things for the opposing defensive coordinator, the better it is for your offense. Yeah, definitely. And he didn't play in the Giants' first game, but what role does Dalton Schultz have in the offense? It doesn't seem like it's been as big as years prior. Yeah, I'm thinking maybe that's a good sign because Schultz had started to become the security blanket guy, kind of in the way Jason Witten was for many years with Tony Romo. And I think that they just haven't needed to go to the security blanket as much this year. Schultz is still important. He, he still is, is quite good. Uh, just as a side note, it's an interesting situation though, because I believe he's in his contract year or no, he's playing on the tag. I forgot. And uh, now they've got to decide what to do. And they have two rookie tight ends who've looked very good when they have gone to them in uh, Jake Ferguson and Peyton Hendershot. Uh, Hendershot was a uh, undrafted free agent and has been a pleasant surprise. It's, it's going to be an interesting offseason. I don't, you don't want to get into that. The Cowboys have some interesting decisions to make with a whole bunch of players that are going to be uh, free agents. Definitely. And before we head into the defense, I just wanted to ask, uh, because obviously you probably know better than me, you know, in Cowboy world. And obviously uh, they haven't come out with the official injury report. Uh, is there anything out of the ordinary in terms of players that may not play on Thanksgiving? Like I know Demarcus Lawrence didn't practice due to a foot injury. Is he expected to go? Micah Parsons also had a knee and an ankle injury. Is he expected to go? Uh, I, I'm, I'm, I'm pretty sure Parsons is. He's come out and said that he's good to go. Uh, and so I'm expecting to see him. Lawrence played through the injury. I think he's going to probably play through it again. And then they have the kind of mini buy from playing on Thursday and getting the extra few days off. So I think he'll go. What's interesting is they had like five guys show up on an illness report. I think Lawrence cropped up on that. Something's going around. They're not saying what it is. Uh, nobody's mentioning the C word. Uh, so, but a lot of guys seem to be a little under the weather. That's something to watch, and uh, at this point, nobody's really sure how that's going to shake out. It's interesting that you guys have illnesses because it seems like it's attacking us too. I mean, Andrew Thomas all of a sudden has an illness. He'll probably play. Graham Gano had an illness where, you know, Sunday he had like four different IVs. Um, there was another guy that was ill during the week. So, you know, it's cold weather clearly is getting to everybody. Yeah. But moving uh, to the defensive side of the ball, obviously – the main attention of the defense and really opposing offenses in terms of game planning goes towards Micah Parsons and Demarcus Lawrence. Um, but you also have two depth guys in Dorrance Armstrong and Dante Fowler 
who've had solid seasons. Uh, I think Dorrance has seven sacks and five for Dante Fowler, which is the most he's had in the season uh, since like 2019. And they've played well. Uh, how much of a relief has it been to have those key depth guys, meaning you can give Lawrence and Parsons rest on some downs? Well, it's been great. And it's actually even better because their rookie, Sam Williams, has, when he's been on the field and limited snaps, he's looked very good. He's not sophisticated yet with his technique, but his power and speed is just getting him home sometimes. And uh, like in the Vikings game, he didn't have a sack, but he had some tackles for a loss that can be just as important. And so, yeah, they they come at you with multiple uh, guys. Uh, Osio Digazua also can provide pressure at the middle, and they can always bring people like Donovan Wilson and Jalen Kirsch from the secondary on a blitz. So, yeah, that's there's a reason they're leading the league in sacks right now. And it's I'd hate to be the quarterback lining up and looking at them because they're kind of a scary group. Definitely. And that's the way I look at them. Um, but I have just one curious question and who knows, maybe on Thursday I'm jinxing it right now. And he just has an all out game against the giants, but why has Parsons never really impacted the game? Like he's had some of these other games where I think he had two sacks against the Vikings. You know, he never really has had that game against the giants yet. Is he always, because he's always playing on Andrew Thomas's side. What do you think is the story there? I don't, there's a weird pattern. He either gets two sacks or none. Uh, you know, it's, it's just the way it's gone uh, this season. And it, it's held up the whole season. And it's just kind of a matter of a matter of which week do you catch him on? I don't know if it's going to be in every other thing for him or if he's, he'll finally break the pattern and maybe get one sack this time. Um, but that's, that's kind of the beauty of it because – I think if teams hold him to no sacks, somebody else usually is getting through. That's been the case in most of the games. Uh, so it's it's a great luxury, and it you know it's it's just like when you've got that really great one wide receiver or the great running back, it draws attention away, and it lets other guys shine sometimes. So that so far that's been what's happening. If Parsons isn't getting to the quarterback, usually somebody else is. And the only exception really has been the Green Bay game. And and we're still trying to figure out exactly why that went so badly. And hopefully they figured it out. It won't happen again. Moving to the game, uh, two X factors for the Cowboys on Thursday, one offensively and uh, one defensively. Gosh. Uh, I think the X factor on offense is is going to pro- possibly be Michael Gallup. Will will he really? Because he's he hasn't quite had his full on game. He hasn't done a lot really deep, which is what he was doing in years prior. And I think he's a guy to watch on offense. This might be the game where he finally gets on track and puts up some big numbers. Um, the X factor on defense I'm going to give you is a guy that we've kind of been a little surprised by, and that's Leighton Van Resch, because you guys have Saquon Barkley. Uh, that's going to be a big concern because the teams that have given the Cowboys problems have been good rushing teams, especially if the Cowboys don't jump out to a, a lead really quick. 
and let the other teams use the running game, which they are a little bit vulnerable to, especially on the edges. Uh, that lets the other teams control the, the flow of the game and everything. But Van Der Esch has been quietly having a very good season. Uh, you know, they did not exercise his fifth-year option, signed him to a one-year deal for, for less money, and yet he is, he's been very solid. He's not spectacular, but, you know, there were a couple uh, runs where he just uh, squared up with, with Dalvin Cook and, and stoned him right there where, where they made contact. So I think him against Barkley is going to be an, an X factor on defense. And then moving to the Giants, and it's okay to pick the obvious, but uh, two X factors to game plan for. In terms of the Giants, uh, one offensively and one defensively. Oh gosh, I don't know much about your your defense. I will say that offensively, I think it's very much uh, going to be a case of who else is going to step up to catch the ball because you know you guys are having uh, a little bit of a problem with uh, not having anybody out there that's really doing a great job uh as a receiver right now uh, and i don't mean to be picking on you about that but i think it's kind of something you can see and you know right now uh darius slayton is is your your best option i think if if somebody else steps up that's going to be an x factor for you and i think maybe uh for your defense i i guess i'd say maybe uh will thibodeau uh, step up and get some good pressure on on Prescott um, because he's been very good at avoiding sacks uh, with his mobility and everything. He's been getting some some good uh, protection. And I think if, uh, if you're going to really slow him down, you're going to have to just get some extra pressure. So if somebody can come in and get through, uh, the offensive line for the Cowboys – frankly exceeded my expectations after they lost Tyron Smith in the preseason. I thought it was going to be a real problem and yet they put it together. They've, they've been all right. And now they're working Tyler Smith, who's played left tackle as a starter. They've been moving him into left guard and putting Jason Peters in at left tackle, which is something to keep an eye on whether they try going to that some more than just in the kind of, garbage time to, to get uh, Smith ready for when Tyron comes. It's very confusing to have Tyler Smith and Tyron Smith, both of them uh, your left tackle players. When Tyron comes back and they're, they're saying he's going to get back before the end of the season, the thought is they're going to kick Tyler Smith back to guard. And frankly, he's got some juice as a guard that I think would really be interesting. So you know, that's that's something that I have to try to work on is getting through uh, on one side or the other because on the other side, Terrence Steele has been much better, I think, than we expected at right tackle. So if they can find a way to get around at least one of the tackles, get Dak a little bit off schedule, that could be very important. And then one more question before we get out of here. Uh, it's a fun question, but... I just want to know your thoughts on it. Do you think that the Cowboys will land Odell Beckham Jr.? Oh, that that's a hard thing to say because we've been through this dance so many times before 
or the Cowboys are interested. And then it just, you know, nothing comes of it, uh, partly because I think every agent in the NFL tries to get the Cowboys into the conversation at some point when they're uh, trying to get a new contract for the guy. Um, but it's it feels a little different because everybody from Jerry Jones on down to the players themselves who are talking to Odell and doing a little bit of recruiting are, are acting like this is serious. Uh, I think it would be, I think Beckham would bring just a little bit of spice into the, the receiving core that could help the Cowboys uh, into the playoffs. Uh, so hopefully they can not just be a one and done thing. You know, right now the Cowboys and the Giants, and this has been a long time since we've been able to say this, but they're both sitting in good shape to make the playoffs, no matter who wins or loses this time, this game. And neither of them want to go and just get, you know, have one game and be out. And I think Beckham might be important for that. I think the management kind of understands that i'm pretty sure the coaching staff is all on board with the idea uh so it's just a matter if uh stephen jones uh you know the executive vice president and jerry's son is willing to part with some of his precious pie that he always talks about having to carve up to to pay players and and bring beckham on and i think they should do what is necessary obviously they, they can't just meet any price but I think they need to be a lot more flexible about how much they will pay for him than they have been about other players in the past. Definitely. And then Tom, where can people find you, your social media and your work? Uh, I'm on Twitter for as long as Twitter is alive. Uh, it's at Tom Ryle BTB and Ryle is spelled with a Y uh, T O M R Y L E B T B. And I'm at Blogging the Boys. I write about five articles a week. Uh, and the first one I always write is I do the uh, game recap that goes up just at, right after the final whistle. So if you want to see what I've got to say. And I also have a, a podcast that is co-hosted by a gentleman named Roy White. Three, actually, Roy, Roy does the work putting the podcast up, but he couldn't resist naming it after me. It's called Riled Up. It's on the SBN podcast nation. So anybody that wants to drop in and listen to some more of my bloviating, please tune in and give us a listen. And then to end it off, because, well, why not? Because of the week we're in. First part of the question, do you think the Cowboys will take Thanksgiving victory? Second question, if you had to pick, what's your favorite Thanksgiving side? Uh, do, I, do I think the Cowboys are going to win? Was that the first part of it? Yeah, uh, yeah, I, I, I feel pretty confident about this. Um, but the, the one thing in the back of my head is the Cowboys have lost three in a row on Thanksgiving now, and they're needing to buck the trend. I actually have an article going up uh, Thursday morning before the game that talks about that. Um, and so that's the one thing that gives me concern. Uh, you know, it's an it's a division game. Weird things happen within the division when they play. But if this goes according to all the indicators, uh, I think the Cowboys will win. And my favorite Thanksgiving side is a really good dressing, you know, a nice sausage dressing or something. If you've ever had one of those. 
interesting one but uh tom i thank you for coming on and uh taking some time out of your night and uh, having a discussion obviously giants cowboys they play at 4 30 on thanksgiving uh have a ha- have a happy thanksgiving everybody and we will see you next time 